Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Good evening, America, and welcome to this Just the News, Real America's Voice special report inside the commitment to conservation. I'm your host, John Solomon. Tonight, in partnership with our sponsor, ClearPath, we are going to explore the very first law that House Republicans introduced when they took over in January. Floor debate began today on H.R. Warner, what is known as the Lower Energy Cost Act. The legislation is historic in many ways because Republicans simultaneously are trying to lower energy prices that have driven up inflation to historic levels while also creating a clean energy future that lowers carbon emissions without destroying the economy or the federal budget. It's a strategy born in the dinner table conversations of every American's wary of rising prices, but it's also one that could create new appeal for the Republican brand among young voters concerned about the environment. As you'll hear tonight, starting with our exclusive conversation with Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the goal of this bill is to create a conservative alternative to the Democrats' Green New Deal that is rooted in conservation, clean energy, and a common sense. Former Deputy National Security Advisor Victoria Coates will also describe how this approach strengthens America's national security in an era where adversaries like Russia and China use energy as a geopolitical weapon. And as ClearPal's founder, Rich Powell, and pollster John McLaughlin will explain, the legislation is also good politics as a new generation of young voters surge into the elections anxious to hear a conservative alternative for climate change. So let's dive right into one of the most fascinating conversations we're going to have this year, the commitment to conserving America. There's no better way to get started than to talk with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and his top clean energy lieutenant, Congressman Garrett Graves. They're leading the charge on HR1, and I had a chance to talk to both of them in the Capitol yesterday. Take a watch. Speaker McCarthy, Congressman Graves, thank you for joining me today. A big week in the House, uh, HR1, the very first bill that was introduced uh, in the new Congress. Uh, we're going to reduce energy costs across the country. Why was it important, Mr. Speaker, that this be the first legislation of your record? Well, we talked about the commitment to America. You know, we spent more than a year last year going across listening. Garrett actually ran um, part looking at energy and climate and others. And if you really want to tackle the economy, you want to look at for affordability, lowering global emissions, security around the globe, this is the most important bill, right? Lower the energy costs, when you look to the future for environmental, our energy is so much cleaner, lower those global emissions. But we watch what's happening in Europe, Ukraine, around the world, how energy is now played with geopolitical. So. This bill itself, spending more than a year and a half, Garrett running and traveling across the country, taking numerous members. It took three different committees to put this all together from critical minerals. It deals with renewables, deals with affordability, all those aspects. We just think it's the most important, have the greatest impact on people's lives in America. And I've heard you talk about this. this is very important. You can reduce carbon emissions. You can accelerate clean energy and not kill the economy. That's the difference between yours and the Democratic approach, right? Oh, v- very much so. And, um, you know, Garrett Graves is an expert on this. And he, he could talk to you about just using American natural gas makes the world not only lower emissions, but safer. Our natural gas is so much cleaner than Russian natural gas. And think about the difference where Europe got dependent upon Russia, what Putin did with that money, what he's doing now in Ukraine, all stems around energy policy. You watch what the president has done with us attacking, trying to make one form of energy in America. 
the affordability, the, uh, the inflation uh, continued to rise. Right. So we've gotten a real challenge here. And this is probably the biggest bill that would affect um, every home in America. Yeah. Oh, it does. Congressman, you put a lot of effort into this. Um, there's an unusual dynamic going on here in Washington. Democrats say they want to reduce carbon emissions, but the single largest drop in carbon emissions comes from natural gas. They're trying to get rid of natural gas right down to our stoves. What's the dynamic? Why are they doing that? I think they've finally come to terms and realized that they, they can't win the science argument here. And so they've taken this into an emotional realm. But the bottom line is that the strategies that HR1 represents, and the speaker's done an amazing job pulling all of these disparate efforts together, uh, this is gonna result in more affordable energy for the American people. And it doesn't matter if you're a retiree or that it's ordering things off of uh, mail order or if you're a high school student driving to school every day. This is gonna have such profound impacts across the economy. It's gonna provide security in that we're no longer gonna continue down this pathway being dependent upon countries like Russia and China. And, and it really is going to have such a cascade effect to the economy in that energy prices have been the biggest driver on inflation. And so, uh, look, really excited about, about being able to be at this point now. And, and as the speaker said, this actually represents over a year of going out across America, hearing directly from the American people, directly from the energy producers, directly from the energy users. And, and this reflects public sentiment. And so if Democrats want to go out there and go argue for, yes, we want to make energy prices higher, we want to push people into energy poverty, they can do that. Those aren't the people that we represent that are, that are asking for those types of things. There's an interesting dynamic change with this and so much of what you've done in the first couple of months. Most of the bills in the last four years of Congress were top down. Nancy Pelosi decided you guys are growing things from the bottom up. You're listening to the American people and then crafting the legislation from that. How has that changed the dynamic on the floor and in the chamber? Much better policy. But America now has a say in what happens here in Congress. First thing we did, members now have to show up to work, right? So their voices, be, people's voices could be heard. Secondly, you watch on the very first day, we did exactly what we said, repeal 87,000 IRS agents. Watch what we did to stop this president from selling um, our oils from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve um, to China. Then watch what we were able to do, we talked about solving our crime problem. Well, one of our first battles with what's right here in DC, decriminalizing, we are able to move on that. We watched the president bringing his policies into everything, harming the um, elderly for their 401ks with ESG. We not only moved in the House, we moved in the Senate, now the president vetoed it. And coming back on on HR1, and remember what we did just last week, the Parents' Bill of Rights, letting the parents have a say in their kids' education, right? They should know what's being taught, they should know what, uh, where they're spending their money. The kids should have the privacy. They should know if there's any violent activity on campus. It's something very simple that I believe cuts across, but the Democrats have become so extreme they all voted against that, letting parents have a say. Now when we look at energy, and Garrett loves to say this, he's never had one constituent say, keep raising the price of energy because it raises inflation, the food price, the clothing price, everything about it. But not only can we lower and let people keep more of what they earn, less inflation, but we lower emissions, environmentally better for the world, and the world would be safer and more secure if America's energy is um, secure. Well, there's no doubt energy is national security. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the president's indicated today he's going to throw his body in front of this. Your thoughts to his uh, threat to try to stop this legislation? You know, that's the same thing he said when we weren't going to let D.C. decriminalize carjacking and murders yeah. and 173 Democrats joined with him. I think if the American public, those who are viewing this, listening to you, join with us, call their members and call their senators, he might change his mind just like he did last time. Yeah, I bet you're right. Uh, Congressman, you've been working on climate change for quite some time. It's an issue that young voters uh, care a lot about. Uh, they, young voters usually don't credit Republicans for the environmental policies that they've achieved over the National Parks, Teddy Roosevelt, Montreal Protocols, Ronald Reagan, largest conservation waterland bill in history passed under the Trump administration. How do Republicans win this uh, debate in the next election? 
Look, the, the reality is, is that we've just got to get the facts out there. Uh, you, you can look and we actually had greater emissions reduction under the previous administration. Emissions under President Biden went up 6% the first year. They went up again last year. So we're not only failing on the affordability test and failing on the security test, as the speaker said, but we're failing on the environmental test. But if you go out there and ask the average American today, they're probably going to tell you otherwise. It, but, but it's all about getting the facts and the data out there. Our policies are proven to work, not just domestically. But, but as the speaker said, by allowing us to produce energy here, where we have some of the cleanest sources in the world. We can help other countries reduce their emissions while creating economic activity and putting people back to work in the United States. It really is a win-win. Well, just give them the, the, the data about had we replaced our natural gas instead of Russian natural gas? It's, it's, a, it's a great statistic just to, to put a face on this. If we simply would have supplanted one year of Russian gas going into the European Union, one year, it would have, with U.S. natural gas, it would have reduced emissions by 218 million tons. It, 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 these, these numbers are off the charts. Meanwhile, we're out there spending billions of dollars to reduce emissions by just a fraction of that amount. So, so this, again, it helps out our European allies, it creates jobs and economic activity in the United States, and it secures the world by not funding Vladimir Putin's war activities around the globe. So it's not just the emissions, affordability and security. It's all three in one. And that's the difference. If you care about any of those three items, HR1, you need to support. It's such an important moment. And I just checked before I came for the first time since the beginning of the Trump presidency, natural gas consumption is going to go down this year. It's mind boggling to think that under the Biden administration, it's going to go down. So, um, permanent. You know, the one thing you should look at, we can pick based upon in the majority, which bill's number one. Yep. Ours is about affordability, you know, global emission reduction and security around the world. The Democrats, when they took the majority, you know what their number one bill was? HR1 was about changing election law to guarantee they came in and that taxpayers had to pay for their campaigns. Yeah. That's the difference in taking a new majority and listening to the American people. What's the most important thing on their mind? What are their greatest concerns? And how, what can we do to solve it in a manner of working together? Yeah. And you've had some of those moments already. Democrats have crossed over on China several times. No one saw that coming. You know, we were able to create a select committee on China. Yeah. This is something I tried to do in the minority and Nancy Pelosi said no, the night before we were gonna announce it. So we went ahead anyways, we got 146 Democrats now, and watch, this was before the balloon or anything else, and I think the rest of the people are catching up to us, but I think it's gonna make a real difference. You've been talking to Democrats a little bit. They're interested in the permitting reform. Of this. I heard John Podesta, I've heard Joe Manchin. They're interested in this. They realize when they got their clean energy projects, hey, the permitting reform, these Republicans, it really is a problem. Tell us why there's a good chance for bipartisan uh, consensus. Look, permitting reform, 42% of the uh, NEPA or the environmental analysis that are out there today are on renewable energy projects. I, I would argue that Democrats need permitting reform more than Republicans do. You've got the majority of money from their renewable energy efforts stuck in the bank. You've got the majority of money from their infrastructure bills stuck in the bank because they simply cannot move forward. In addition, if you look at the cost of inflation, we just had a bridge project at home. The bid came in at 110% over project estimate cost. Over 110%. If you think about this for a minute, as you sit there and you force all of these studies and reviews and years of environmental and permitting process, it costs more money and takes more time, therefore driving down the amount of money you have to actually build projects. Democrats need this more, but I also want to be clear. Look, just like the speaker talked about on how he was able to work with the public and educate people and flip all of these Democrats on the crime uh, legislation that we moved, I think when people learn about this bill and how it actually makes energy more affordable, it, it improves the U.S. economy, it reduces inflation, I really think there's going to be a lot of pressure on members of Congress all over the United States to support this bill. So I'm hopeful and optimistic that it's not just about permitting reform. I don't think we need to look at this like a buffet and say, I'm going to have that and that. I think that there's a lot of good policy in this bill. That's, that's why we did everything. And when you think and you look around the future, right? 
it creates more American jobs, but it also makes us better prepared for the future, greater efficiencies, because as you watch China go build things around the world and we can't build in America, that infrastructure bill is not going anywhere. But you've got to have that lower energy cost. So we lower inflation. So we help from food prices to clothing, to jobs, to everywhere you look at it. So when the Democrats say, oh, we want one element of that, that's not the way this bill is written. The reason is you need the entire bill to make the country stronger. Yeah, it's a comprehensive strategy. Yes. Last quick question, uh, nuclear energy, it seems like it's making revival all across the country. You've been big advocates. How important is it? Nu uh, nuclear gas and natural, excuse me, natural gas and nuclear together, pretty powerful, isn't it? Very powerful, and our technology of the ability to do it. It's also our ability to export that to our allies as well, so they're less dependent on Putin and others. It only makes us stronger, and it does all the others. It lowers emissions globally, and I think that's what we're all looking for, and that's kind of the leadership of where Garrett's been. It's, it's an important technology. Nearly one-fifth of the electricity in the United States comes from nuclear uh, and emissions-free source. And only look at what Governor Newsom tried to do in Southern California, where he was going to shut down the nuclear power plant and replace it with, with all these emitting sources. Uh, so th this is a really important thing for us to do two things moving forward. One is ensure that the United States is the leader on that next generation large-scale nuclear technology, as well as the small modular reactors, and making sure they have a nuclear regulatory commission that can quickly move these technologies forward and replace some of the older plants as they go offline, as well as, as export the technology to other countries. If you look at California, it's the exact example of what Biden's trying to do. It was Republicans who warned Gavin two years in advance, and on the last day he changed around. But the, Gavin is taking the same approach as Biden, picking one form of energy. Our grid has actually shrunk. Our costs are higher. And then when we have a, a warm summer, you know what he does? He goes back to coal and even pollutes more emissions than actually planning out and doing a little of all the above and making very sure. He even told people, first he'd tell you that you could only buy electric cars, and one week later he told you you couldn't charge them. Nearly half of the electricity that comes from the Amazon, that comes from the Amazon, goes to California. I mean, it just, the, the, there's the awful policies. Well, it's great. He, he went and attacked the energy production in America, so uh, in California. So we produce 20% less oil. So you know what he did? He went instead of, he, he reduced us by about 50,000 barrels a day. He replaced that with Russian oil. So he was paying Putin to rebuild his military. And the number one provider of oil in California, you go to the Amazon, Ecuador, and others. Unbelievable. And a much less clean fuel. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just extraordinary. Uh, Mr. Speaker, Congressman, great honor to have you on today. Thanks for giving us a good explanation. A historic week in Washington this week, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks, what a conversation. Now, we're going to take a quick commercial break, then continue the conversation with former Deputy National Security Advisor Victoria Coates. We'll be right back. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, 
Factor makes it easy, as they are flexible to your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Welcome back, America. Over the years, Republicans have had an extraordinary record on the issue of conservation, from Teddy Roosevelt's extraordinary work to create the national park system to Ronald Reagan's uh, efforts to uh, fight uh, an ozone uh, problem, which was achieved through the Montreal Protocol. And now, most recently, President Trump's effort to create one of the largest conservation plans in American history. And yet, on a regular basis, the Republicans get criticized. I want to have a conversation with someone who knows what the real record of Republicans is and the effort to make our economy more energy efficient. Joining us right now, the former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Trump and a former Senior Advisor at the Energy Department, our good friend, Victoria Coates. Victoria, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me, John. There is this amazing dynamic where, at least in the mainstream media, Republicans get portrayed as not caring about the environment, but there's this extraordinary rich history of Republicans actually creating some of the most monumental landmark advances in conservation. How do Republicans go about fixing the perception of the record? Yeah, I think this is very much our, our own fault. And uh, you, did, you talked about Teddy Roosevelt and the extraordinary uh, conservation efforts he made in creating the, the national parks, which are one of the, the wonders of the natural world. And so I think I think Republicans have always had a very strong commitment to what we, we believe to be you know, God's gifts to us in the forms of the amazing resources and beauty of the United States. And that it's something that we take quite seriously in the Trump administration, you know, the conversion to natural gas, uh, which to give credit where credit is due, had begun under under President Obama. You know, we reduced emissions more than any other uh, any other administration in history. And, you know, withdrawing from the Paris Protocol did not impact that one bit. As a matter of fact, I think we probably freed us up to do to do better. And, you know, not being able to get that story out and letting the Democrats just claim this moral high ground on climate and painting us all as dirty polluters is is a is a problem we should be able to solve. Yeah, we certainly can. And I think we're beginning to. There's starting to be these amazing plans. And I'm going to get to them in a second. But first, you have always argued, and it's one of my favorite and most important arguments, I think, to understand the modern energy security is national security. And right now, the Democrats have put us on a path of take, jumping all in on technologies that aren't ready yet. We don't have the capability to charge the electric vehicles that they want to sell every day. They're putting us more reliant on China uh, uh, resources for batteries and things like that, and for dirtier pollution or dirtier fuels from foreign countries compared to our record of creating some of the cleanest fuel in America. There's a big disconnect between the rhetoric and the actual record of Democrats right now, isn't there? It is. It's it's in many ways shocking because if you think about the fact that the American economy is three times more clean and carbon efficient than the People's Republic of China. So everything they produce is going to have a negative impact on the on the environment for all of us. So every time we place a big order for electric vehicle batteries or solar panels or whatever it may be from China, we are negatively undermining our own environment. And so the notion that we're going to race towards these uh, what are considered to be climate solutions by damaging the climate is inherently self-defeating. And at the same time, the Biden administration has placed this incredibly burdensome regulatory uh, framework onto any infrastructure or exploration projects in the United States that would allow us to produce the clean energy we need to get us to the point where we could use other solutions to continue towards uh, reducing emissions, all of which can be done without inconveniencing or negatively impacting any American. 
Yeah, that's the key thing here. There's a free market way to go about this that actually protects the consumer and still gets us to the carbon targets. And one of the things that I like about the last couple of years watching the political dynamic play out is that there's a realization now, even among conservatives, that carbon emissions are going to happen whether conservatives engage or not. The world has decided we're going that direction. Every time Democrats come in, they put trillions of dollars into something that doesn't really have much effect. So now there are these free market solutions emerging. One of those occurred when you were at the Energy Department. Rick Perry put together a really extraordinary plan, doesn't get any attention or credit, to reduce carbon emissions significantly using natural gas and nuclear. Tell us about that, why that is so important compared to windmills and electric vehicles that are in some ways a long way off from giving us any large amount of power. Exactly. And no, Governor Perry has been a champion on this issue. Uh, and, you know, I was proud to to serve in his department, sadly, after he retired. But but uh, he's a he's a very dear friend. And I think what he saw very clearly is that that the solution is not to go for the first time in human history to a less dense energy source, which is what renewables are. They are less dense than fossil fuels, so they produce less energy and, as you say, are less reliable. Nuclear produces no emissions, uh, so it is, it is technically green by whatever definition you care to use and is a more dense uh, source of energy, completely reliable. And, uh, you know, I grew up near uh, Three Mile Island, so I'm certainly aware of, of some of the concerns about nuclear safety, but those have been mitigated and met. And the notion that we would would cut ourselves off from this kind of plentiful energy, especially as reactors get smaller and smaller, is, is just utterly self-defeating. So, I mean, certainly Perry's plan is still on the shelf. There were in the uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act some provisions for nuclear, which is by far and away the best thing about that legislation. But uh, I would really hope that if the Democrats are serious about both energy security and in benefiting the environment, they would double down on those investments and stop with the importing of you know dirty Chinese goods to produce less dense fuels. Yeah, and there's some, so much interesting development in the nuclear space. Some of this, which was actually fostered during the Trump years, uh, the, the new fusion experiments that are coming out there with those sort of reactors, nuclear uh, fission fusion reactors could have a significant impact on our future uh, energy supply, giving us a lot more energy at a you know, zero carbon cost. Do you think the decade-long blockade on nuclear, it seemed like for a decade after the Japanese accident, uh, that there was uh, really no movement on nuclear except maybe the Georgia plant. Is that leasing up? Do you think Democrats and Republicans alike are beginning to realize, hey, that's a good path for us? It really is a reality check. And in, in a way, we can write Vladimir Putin a thank you note, because with the war in Ukraine, he demonstrated a willingness to weaponize energy, which the argument had been for, for years on the part of the Germans, for example, that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was just fine from, from Russia to Western Europe because Putin needed to sell them oil or natural gas, rather, and oil more than they needed to buy it. And for that reason, it would never be weaponized. Well, guess what? He weaponized it. And so I think that has everyone reevaluating their security posture. And the reality is that, you know, if you want reliable, plentiful power, and it's going to have to be nuclear uh, until, as you say, we can potentially get to a fusion breakthrough. And I've proposed to some of our European allies, who are some of our closest partners on the fusion technology, that we make that our moonshot, that we figure out how to get there in 25 years. And that can then be America and Europe's gift to the world in terms of sharing the technology with allied countries and then protecting it rigorously from malfeasant countries who might try to uh, steal it and, and uh, use it for their own means. Yeah, what, a, what an important concept to make sure that we protect that technology even as we make it more plentiful. Uh, I got about a minute left here, Victor, and I want to ask about this. There are two approaches. It's the common sense approach is come out with the alternatives, then get them in the marketplace, then take the carbon reducing emissions out. 
Democrats have done it the other way around. They take away the energy supplies and then hope they're going to find something to replace it. California had brownouts as a result of that. Pennsylvania, right where you are these days, uh, there is an effort to do something similar to this with the regional greenhouse gas initiative that the new Democratic governor wants to uh, participate in. Tell us why that's backwards, that taking away the energy source before you have the replacement for it only turns out to be bad for consumers and for security. No, it's it's really terrible. The Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which goes by the cute acronym REGI, is anything but cute and would, you know, in short, shackle Pennsylvania's ability to be the main powerhouse for the East Coast. We're the largest energy exporter right now, electricity exporter. And that is a critical role that prevents there from being California-style brownouts. Now, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has put a stay on Reggie. It is very much our hope that we'll continue to keep attention on the issue so that the, the courts formally strikes it down and Governor Shapiro has no legal remedy to try to inflict it upon the people of the Commonwealth, because this is tens of thousands of jobs, it's billions of dollars it would cost us, but then it will also cost our neighbors sorely in terms of the electricity available to them. It's a head scratcher. I know you've done some really important writing on that subject and uh, common sense is gonna prevail, we hope in America for that, those sort of initiatives. Victoria, one of the things we know we get every time we bring you on this show, lots of common sense, lots of wisdom. Great honor to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we'll be joined by ClearPath CEO Rich Powell. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form, then he or she refiles as the new owner, and bam, your home is not in your name, and all of a sudden, debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. 
everybody. We've already heard from federal lawmakers and energy department policymakers about all the things that are going on in the sector to make us a more clean energy economy in America. It is one of the driving policies of the next decade. It's going to decide our national security, our economic future, and of course, our conservation future. Well, after having conversations with policymakers and others, it's a great time to turn to our sponsor and partner for tonight's special, ClearPath, and its president, Rich Powell. He's the chief executive officer. Uh, he has been at the forefront of crafting a plan that actually brings conservatives to the table on clean energy, on conservation in a constructive way. Rich, great to have you on the show today. Well, thanks so much for having me, John, and thanks for your tireless coverage of this issue. It's so we, important. We love this, and, yeah. and it's such an important issue. And I, I want to start with something that I think a lot of people haven't thought through. It, there's been this sort of divide in America. Liberals have the Al Gore, Barack Obama approach, and conservatives for a long time were hunkered down in a foxhole like, we're not engaging at all. Mm -hmm. You've been at the forefront, and ClearPath has been at the forefront for really about five or six years now of developing a plan that conservatives can rally around. That's clean energy, it's national security, it's economic centers, but it also helps the environment. Tell us what that's been like. That's got to be quite a mission to take on. Well, it is, it's just such an exciting time to be active in D.C. on these issues. Uh, we have this incredible leadership from Speaker McCarthy yeah. and from House Republicans. They're fulfilling their clean energy and climate and national competitiveness pledge yeah. and the commitment to America. And they've started to launch this plan, which is, you know, it's all about uh, uh, clean American innovation. It's all about unleashing American resource independence. It's all about beating Russia and China competitively. And it's all about reforming our permitting system so we can actually build cleaner faster at the scale that we all want to see. Yeah. It's a, and, and you're going to see a lot of bipartisan support around HR1. I mean, at least components of it, maybe not the whole bill, but yep. there is there have been Democrats who've had their thumb put on them for a long time. They haven't been able to constructively engage with Republicans. They like a lot of things here. We were talking uh, uh, before we get on show here about someone even like John Podesta, who's sort of the, you know, one of the big godfathers of the left's movement on conservation and clean energy. And he was talking about NEPA being important to uh, NEPA reform. That's the environmental regulation law that uh, has sort of become tied up in the courts for so long. Mm -hmm. Uh, tell us what he said about this and why it signals maybe that Democrats are on board with some of this. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, folks will remember that in a very partisan way last year, last Congress, yeah. the White House and Senate and House Democrats passed this massive climate bill, this they massive did. package of incentives uh, without a lot of conservative support because right. it was so expensive. Right. Uh, it, but but they're now realizing that all of that spending that they've thrown at this problem will will go to naught. So the, the number that, that Podesta has been using is that 80 percent of the benefits wow. of all that spending will go away unless we reform the permitting system to actually you know, enable us to build the stuff. So it does, it creates a new, very interesting moment. I mean, Republicans are a light year ahead of yep. Democrats on, on permanent reform. No They're doubt. much more sophisticated, all kinds of legislation already ready. But now the Democrats are finally realizing they need this to accomplish their aims. We see the beginnings of a significant kind of bipartisan grand bargain around yeah, all this. That would be an extraordinary moment. And, and NEPA is interesting because it occurs during the Nixon administration. And then over 50 years, it kind of gets weaponized by environmentalists to tie things up in the court ad nauseum, all of a sudden there's these clean energy projects that Democrats want to get through and they're finding out, holy mackerel, you can't get through this system. Yep. That's really the awakening moment for Democrats, wasn't it? That's right. I mean, they yeah. see that uh, effectively we've given everybody a veto over everything, right? And yeah. that and, and, and that can't work, right? We, we need a process where there's certainty for people. And, and frankly, it's okay if this if it ends up with a no, as long as the no is a quick no, right? We just, yeah, we right. need to get a balanced approach that gets us to certainty faster for projects of all of all sizes, but particularly of these really significant clean energy projects around the country. Yeah. And for years, you would get no answer at all, right? Something could go three, four or five years and you couldn't get any. Sometimes clarity. a decade. A decade. Yeah. Really? That's Incredible. Yeah. yeah. How do you have progress? You can't make exactly. progress. Exactly. Um, what are some of the other elements of HR1, which will be coming to the floor this week, that are important, that are game changing for both national security, energy security and conservation? Um, well, on this permitting reform topic, uh, HR1 takes on some of these issues, environmental permitting generally, NEPA, right. NEPA in particular, uh, it goes after how NEPA is administered. So it says that you know the uh, the Department of the Interior and the other federal agencies that are running this thing, they've got to get the NEPA reviews reviews done in a much more uh, quick and expeditious manner. It's a whole thing is streamlined, and just as importantly, to your point about the courts. 
it really limits the length of time that people can um, uh, can bring a suit to challenge these things in the first place. So you don't have this permanent worry that it might be um, you know gummed up or or stopped with a with a long term suit. So so those are some of the really important components. It also it goes after uh, citing new projects, both traditional energy projects, uh, critically critically, critical minerals projects yeah. uh, uh, for all kinds of advanced clean energy technologies on public lands. It, it goes after citing renewable projects on public lands and, and enabling that more. So it's it's really a very comprehensive approach to streamlining new clean energy. You don't get rid of the, any of the environmental protections. You no. just streamline the timelines. So exactly. Things can get done. Decide exactly. and move on. If exactly. Happen, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't all matter. of these projects still have to comply. That's right. right. So, so that no one is getting a free pass to yeah. say that you can, you know, you don't have to worry about the Clean Air Act or the Clean Water Act or the Endangered Species yeah. Act. No one wants that. We right. value those things. It's all about the timeline to just getting there to prove yeah. that you can comply. Yeah, that's yeah. really the key thing. And that's going to be an amazing thing. Uh, we are in an epic struggle. China, particularly, mm. I think, our primary adversary for uh, economic and, and military supremacy. Uh, we have become more and more reliant on our economy on many aspects of Chinese production. Uh, you, you mentioned rare earth minerals being one of those key mm-hmm. to batteries. Uh, there are many efforts in bipartisan. Now, this is, I think, the big headline of 2023. Democrats cross, reaching across the aisle and agreeing with Republicans, we've got to get competitive with China. Are there elements in this bill that's going to make America more energy independent and a better competitor against China? Well, absolutely, the attempts to, to, to scale up uh, critical minerals uh, development uh, in the United States and eventually processing of the critical minerals in the United States. Uh, to say China dominates uh, those supply chains is an understatement. Yeah, and in is. many cases, it's 90, 95 yeah. percent of the extraction, usually in Africa, Chinese controlled sites in Africa, often with horrendous labor practices, yeah, right? right? Child labor, awful. Yeah. Uh, and then China really controls all the processing back in China, uh, which then makes us totally beholden on, on their supply chain um, for all this. That can be really problematic. I mean, in the past, they've played games with the supply of a number of these things. Right. So polysilicon, for example, sure. they, you know, metals, right? you know, yeah, they, they, they get angered at the United States around something and they start to dial that down or, or increase the price, just like Russia played games with, with you know, with natural gas in Europe. Uh, and, you know, it, we cannot allow ourselves to become dependent on that Chinese clean energy supply chain in the way that Europe allowed itself to become dependent on the on the Russian gas supply chain. We've seen how disastrous oh, yeah. that was for Europe and kind of brought on war so, uh, this year. We can't let that happen with China. A political issue, security yeah. issue for sure. Um, the plan that conservatives get behind, and uh, so uh, liberals have been predominantly, let's do all renewables. Renewables have a lot of challenges to get to the market sustainability. Uh, they want to do all electric cars, but our grid's not ready yet, nor is our battery production cycle for that. Uh, conservatives and Republicans have put on the table a very uh, similar targeting. They can get down to the carbon reduction limits that everybody wants to get to, but they do it through natural gas and nuclear in a much quicker and more efficient economic way. Uh, but if you look back at over the last decade, while we've been fighting over this, there's been this extraordinary reduction of carbon emissions in America. Two thirds of it, am I reading the data right? Two thirds of it come from natural gas? From natural gas. This is the untold story of America's clean energy and climate performance. You know, we had this amazing thing and without any top down mandates, without any without any rules and standards, something better just came along. We had this very cheap gas as a result of the shale gas revolution in the United States. And it turned out that that gas was better performing and lower cost and happened to be twice as good from an environmental perspective as the coal that it was replacing. And so all across the country, we had free markets taking up this gas, ramping down or shutting down some of the older coal fleet, replacing it with gas. And it's been an amazing story. We've actually led the world in absolute reductions in carbon dioxide emissions. And we've done it with $100 billion in benefit to the U.S. economy every year because of that because of that conversion. And now we're so much more uh, geopolitically stable given our fossil uh, you know, energy abundance, our ability to now export to Europe to push back against uh, Russian aggression uh, in this case. It's, it's, it's really been an amazing story. And so in our mind, the key is how do we recreate that kind of kind of miracle technology? Yeah. How do we find the next shale gas that right. the markets will just take up both here and around the world? And that's really the place that Republicans have led in the thinking on all this is they think about climate change realistically as, yep. a, as a global problem. If you can't find a way to reduce global emissions as a result of better technology that's you know better performing and cheaper and, and happens to be clean, then we're not going to solve the global no, challenge. Not. 
yeah. know, we're going to be running in place. There are a lot of exciting advances on that. I want to ask about one detour that's occurred in the last six months. A lot of people have said about it. And it's personal because it brings you into everyone's kitchen. Yeah. There's been an effort to maybe uh, ban or slow down or make it harder to get a gas stove. Um, seems to be as though the Democrats might want to push back against one of the best tools they have against carbon emissions. Is that a realistic effort or does that likely fizzle out because people are going to say, get out of my kitchen? I think people are going to take it out of the kitchen. kitchen. I mean, this is this is a this is a tiny issue that somehow was blown up into as though it was both a major environmental issue and a major public health issue. Uh, We should not be focusing on gas stovetops. It's a big distraction. There's no doubt. Now, tell us about some of the emerging technologies, particularly on the nuclear side. I mean, people have the idea of the old three mile island style large nuclear plant that we built in the 50s, 60s, 70s, but today uh, the nuclear power footprint is so much smaller, much more efficient. What are some of the most exciting technologies that you say, hey, that's going to be the next big thing in America? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, first, I'm very happy to say that, that this year and next year, we'll, we will have two of those great big yeah. nuclear reactors coming online moment. in Georgia. So Vogel, Southern right? companies bringing on Vogel yeah. units three and four. These will be the largest clean energy project in the southeast by far. Amazing. Very exciting. It's been a journey. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it hard to build these massive battleship reactors yeah. at this point in this country. And so the new generation of nuclear is much more compact. Uh, lower total costs, lower cost per unit, less labor, less concrete, less steel. This is the future of nuclear, as small as beautiful uh, yeah. with this. And so we're seeing all of our champion countries, or co- companies in the space, uh, you know, General Electric, Hitachi, uh, Westinghouse, yes, uh, really advanced companies like TerraPower and X-Energy. We're seeing totally unusual suspects come along and, and, and announce to buy this stuff. Amazing. Dow Chemical has said that they're going to build one of these to power a huge chemical production facility somewhere in the southeast on the Gulf Coast, either Louisiana wow. or Texas, because the nukes can produce not just clean electricity, right. but also clean heat. Clean heat and they right. need this clean heat for all these chemical processes. So it's it's really a whole new world for advanced nuclear. I, I think we'll build dozens of new advanced reactors in this country this decade, and then we'll be able to export them to the world. Yeah. It, it'll be a great economic and competitiveness moment for us. Go out 20 years, the fusion developments in the last year. There seemed a lot of excitement about that, yeah. sort of an endless supply of energy. How far off is that? But does that give people an excitement to keep working towards innovation? I, th- I think absolutely. So, I mean, it, it shows that this, I mean, we've made it a massive federal investment in fusion sure energy yeah. at all the national labs over yeah. the past couple of decades. And there were, I think there were some concerns that, you know, would this all be for naught? Like, yep. was this right. baby was star this actually ever going right. to happen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and it turns out we could do it. It turns wow. out we could do it. It's early days. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got to, it's it's making as much energy as we're putting in. That's good. But really, to make it a realistic power plant, it, may, it needs to make 10 times or maybe 100 times as much energy as we put in. But once we have that, it is an inexhaustible supply of clean energy. It's probably a couple decades away yeah. before we before we actually have power plants. Right. But now we know it's a question of when, not whether. Not if, yeah. And that's a big difference. It that's is. A big it's difference. an amazing moment. Yeah. These were conversations five years ago that we, we couldn't have in most of the country. Having them now are so exciting because innovation, common sense are driving a solution that I, kind of was sidelined for maybe a decade or more. You were at the forefront of that from the beginning. I mean, what ClearPath has done has been extraordinary. As a reporter, I've watched the last 10 years of of evolution. It couldn't have been done without you. We couldn't have even had this conversation today without your great partnership. So, Rich, I want to thank you for the partnership, but also for the courage to get into the ring when other people didn't think this was cool and change the minds of a lot of people in America. It's an amazing accomplishment. Well, we, we hugely appreciate that, John, and on all of the Thrill. time and care that you've devoted to, to covering this topic. It, it's an amazing moment to be here in D.C. We feel very lucky to be able to work with, with so many great folks like yourself shaping the conversation, uh, uncovering the great stories, so many great policymakers in Congress that are excited about taking this on and really showing leadership. Uh, you know, in the end, conservatives, Republicans care about the environment. They yeah, just have their they own way of doing this and solving this problem. And they're never going to sacrifice the economy and they're right. never going to sacrifice competitiveness. But the good news is we don't have to. We, we can find to. paths that accomplish all these things together. Uh, and that's that's how we get to long term solutions for these challenges. That's been the aha moment of the last few years. And, and you've been right at the center of that uh, development of that realization. And uh, what a great opportunity. Thanks for today. Thanks for the conversation, folks. We're take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to turn to the politics of this. For those who are thinking, I don't want to give Al Gore any free ground in this, there is a great political win for conservatives. We're going to get some polling data with John McLaughlin right after this commercial break. 
Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Welcome back, everybody, to this special report that we're doing in partnership with our good friends at ClearPath. Over the last few decades, I've been blessed to know this man. He is one of the nation's top pollsters and political uh, strategists. He's advised everyone from congressional candidates and governors and prime ministers, oh, even to our 45th president. John McLaughlin and McLaughlin and Associates joins us now to talk about the paradigm shift in what's going on in America, particularly as young voters come into the voting world and they bring with them a lot of their preconceptions that they were taught in school. John, great to have you on the show today. It's a pleasure to, be, pleasure to be with you, John. We love the research you do. Uh, about a year ago, you did some really amazing work for Newt Gingrich, the former House Speaker. And one of the findings in there really struck me about how important it is for future and current candidates to have a clean energy plan. Uh, I think I was on a call where somebody described it. It may not be an existential question for the world, but it is an existential question for politics in America. Tell us why clean energy plans are becoming more and more important to campaigns, particularly a presidential campaign. Well, the, the key thing is younger voters. I mean, the Republicans have not won the under 40 vote in 2020, in 2016 for president. And we do have to get the Gen Z and 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 the Gen X vote to vote Republican. Uh, if if uh, if 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 the voting age had been 40 instead of 18, Donald Trump would have been elected in landslide. The Democrats would give up. But but and and that goes back to when uh, George uh, W. Bush was right. So these younger voters, they're you know they they're. They're educated uh, about the climate. They're educated about uh, the environment, and they and they do care about uh, in terms of what what they're doing for the world and what they're doing for the environment. And the Republicans have a good story to tell. I mean, we get stereotyped as well. We want to be fossil fuel, you know, uh, oriented and, and producers, et cetera. And the reality of it is, when Donald Trump was president. A lot of the market was shifting away from dirtier fuels to clean natural gas and to other uh, other market efficient uh, uh, renewables, whether it was water, hydro, whether it was uh, um, whether it was uh, solar. 
et cetera. But the market was was working that way. And we were reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. And then you have political deals in the world where, I mean, right now, the, the, the one that's being proposed where China, which produces more, you know, uh, bad emissions than the United States, yeah. you know, gets away with it. And the United States gets penalized and has to uh, uh, pay for it at a time where we're actually becoming more greenhouse gas efficient. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's the choice of educating people to whether they sh we should pick winners or losers in this category. It's interesting. And I think the polling you've done has caught on because obviously President Trump at the end of his presidency had a pretty significant clean energy plan. Nuclear plus natural gas got us to carbon emission targets that Barack Obama and Joe Biden only aspired to get to. They never got there. Uh, Kevin McCarthy who joined us at the top of the show. He has built into his commitment with America a very clear clean energy plan. Do you feel that this is the election where Republicans reclaim some of this debate? Yes, because, I mean, I, I know that we've worked with Newt Gingrich uh, with his uh, New American Majority Project, where they were they were uh, uh, they were focused on the idea of we've got to get these Gen X voters. We've got to get the, uh, you know, the Gen Y voters, uh, Gen Z, pardon me, Gen Z voters. And, uh, you know, they were it's definitely a component where we're going to attract people that we're going to be more efficient, more sensitive, and at the same time do it in a way that that the basically American consumers choose those paths where we decide that we will do things that are good for the planet. We will do things that are good for ourselves economically, but at the same time, we're sensitive to the uh, reality that we've you know, we want to reduce greenhouse gases. We want to reduce uh, uh, pollution in the atmosphere and and get clean clean water, clean uh, uh, clean air, but do it in a way that you know we're making those choices. So uh, so I th I think the Republicans what they're doing in in their plan is yes we're committed to definitely increasing uh, at a time where inflation is just I mean it's negatively affected voters right now eighty five percent. Uh, and 42 percent, it's having they're having a hard time making ends meet in our in our most recent national poll. But uh, they'd like to see, you know, the prices come down for energy. And at the same time, they'd like to see the transition where they make the transition to uh, more efficient, uh, more efficient vehicles, more efficient home heating. Uh, but in a way where they're not having the government mandates where you're just being told you can't have a gas stove, you can't have a uh, you can't have a, uh, a fossil fuel kind of car. Right. They, they want to have their own consumer choices. That's the key. I think that seems to be the flipping point. One of the choices that was kept off early on from the beginning of the Obama administration was nuclear energy. It got a bad rap. Obviously, there was a big accident in Japan back in 2011 that mm -hmm. weighed into that. It seems like nuclear energy is coming back in vogue among voters and policymakers, in particular because the units have gotten smaller, they've gotten safer. Uh, and we've seen that after trillions of spending on solar and wind, we haven't been able to make up that much of a gap in the clean energy space. Is nuclear getting a revival among voters? It's getting a revival, but also you got to realize some of the uh, some of these renewables have gotten ahead of themselves. I mean, yeah. when you have when you have rolling blackouts in certain states, when the infrastructure can't deliver the uh, uh, the you know what do you do with an electric car when you have a blackout? I mean, yeah. it's you Good know point. a lot of people. You know, you you might have two vehicles in a home, uh, and you'll have an electric vehicle, but you still want, you know, the uh, the truck or the or the pickup, et cetera. If you're in the suburbs or the exurbs, you want something that runs on on gas, so that okay, if if there's a blackout, if there's a you know, Texas a couple of years ago went through a freeze where, right. you know, the windmills didn't work, and uh, the other part is, you know, they put huge tax credits uh, for these programs where. You know, people, electric cars are not cheap and people buy them with the tax credit. But you got to think about the working person who doesn't get a tax credit and can't afford that car. So uh, so so there's a ways to go. But we want the consumer. We want to do it. We want to attain it. But you want to do it in a responsible way where the consumers are making the choice. Gas, nuclear, consumer choices, that combination of winning factor. We got about 30 seconds left. Absolutely. It's a winning factor. And it's a it's a necessary factor. If we are going to attract 
uh, voters who are more moderate, voters who are more independent, voters who are younger, voters who uh, don't fit the Republican natural stereotype. If we give them a choice that they can come to us because we are environmentally responsible, we do have ideas about reducing climate change, but we're going to do it on our own. And and President Trump did it in a way where we reduced the greenhouse gas emissions without signing a treaty that was going to penalize the taxpayers and the consumers of the United States. And I think that's the key to it. No doubt about it. I think a lot of people are excited to see that get into the marketplace of ideas even more in the 2024 election. John McLaughlin, we always get great wisdom from you. It's a great honor to have you in the show today. The perfect cleanup guest for our show special today. Thank you, John. Thanks, my friend. All right, folks, on that note, it's hard to believe we're done with this special report. I really want to express my great gratitude to our sponsoring partner tonight, ClearPath, as well as my sincerest appreciation to the Real America's Voice Network for hosting this hour-long discussion. You're not going to hear a discussion like this on many other networks. If we've learned one thing tonight, it's that candidates up and down every ballot can no longer turn a blind eye to the commitment that Americans want them to make to conservation and clean energy. It is an issue that is a winning issue in 2024, as you just heard from John McLaughlin and all of our guests tonight, starting with Speaker Kevin McCarthy. There is a solution ahead. And the interesting thing, I've been in this town 30, 35 years. It's the first time I've seen Republicans legitimately engage in a conversation on clean energy and conservation, touting their record thus far in creating a vision that counters that of the Democratic left. That is a big moment, and we're going to be chronicling it more over the next few months. Until then, I want to thank you for watching tonight. Thank ClearPath for making this conversation possible. I wish you a wonderful week. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.